This is the Astro Primer for January 27, 2018. So this is going to be a different Astro Primer. I'm going to go really fast and tell you guys the greatest news ever. The Milky Way is back. It's back. Now, if you haven't already gone out, you've missed it. If you don't go out tonight or Monday morning, depending on where your location in the world, the moon is going to block the last, you know, there's only about 45 minutes to half an hour that you see it in the northern hemisphere. Right here, I have it for a half an hour above the horizon before astronomical twilight begins. And then the moon is setting later every night. And so tonight, Saturday night to Sunday morning, is the last time that the moon is completely out of the view. I mean, it sets long before or like a little before the Milky Way rises. Tomorrow, Monday morning, I should say uh, it's Monday morning, that is going to have a moon set 15 minutes before the Milky Way is blocked by astronomical twilight. And so that's my last chance. And I know tomorrow is really cloudy. So then Monday is my only chance. So I have two more days. If you guys are in good areas that don't have any clouds or you have more time, refer to your PhotoPills app or datetime.com, just anything you can. Ask Google, you know, what time does the moon set? And if the moon doesn't set before 5 a.m. or the time that your Milky Way is visible, make it make it out there. Get seeing it. Go out and get your January Milky Way because, oh, it's so awesome. And I've said this, I'll say this in the podcast also, but January Milky Way on our MilkyWayPhotographers.com thing, that is going to be any part of the Milky Way. You don't have to capture the core. It's just something that is awesome when you can capture the core. And you have 11 months of the year. We'll talk about that in a second. The second thing about the Astro Primer is that there is a blood moon coming up on Wednesday the 31st, depending on your area in the United States only. Sorry, most people who are out there in any other country than the United States, Canada, and parts of South America, you just will not see the lunar blood moon. But those of us in those areas, you're going to see a blood moon that happens to be a blue moon in this month, where it's the second full moon of January. And this thing is going to be awesome. Um, The reason why it's awesome is just because it is a lunar eclipse and it's full. And the fact that it's happening in this time frame where it's going to be at the morning hours. It's not a nighttime blood moon. It's a morning hours one. And so that moon is going to be right on the horizon for most of us. And so when it's on the horizon, it gets amplified. It looks awesome. And it's going to be bigger than it really, really is through the atmosphere. And so this is a great time to get your camera out and capture a really wicked looking red blood moon when you're out there. So get outside, do some photography. See you in the podcast. ever find yourself shaking your fist at clouds? Do you secretly wish you could cause a county-wide power outage? Have you ever caught yourself yelling, stupid moon? Have you ever left your warm bed and stood outside in near-freezing temperatures at 2 in the morning and loved it? Have you ever answered the question, why aren't you getting enough sleep? With, it's a new moon. If you have ever said, thought, or done any of these things, then this podcast is for you. I'm Aaron King, and welcome to the Astrophotog Podcast. Welcome to episode four of the Astrophotog Podcast, everybody. I know it's not a Photog Adventures podcast, and so I might as well start off with a little bit of behind the scenes. Many of you already know, but some of you might not have caught on in that last podcast talking with James that Brendan is not allowed in my house. We're having a fight. It's just terrible. He called me a terrible photographer, and I called him a skinny dude, and it just 
didn't work out. So really what happened is my kids got hand, foot, and mouth. And so the cousin came over. Hey, look, cousins, let's play with cousins. And they brought along with them their disease. My sister's kids, they swim in the Ganges, and so they're just <laughs> covered in disease. So we got it from someone who gave it to her. So our cute little cousin, niece, she gave it to my daughter, and now everyone was sick, and we were in a medical quarantine in my house. And so Brennan has three daughters. We don't want to make him bring that home to them because even though it didn't really get the adults sick, I got my wife sick for a day and I had bronchitis already. And so when I came home and I got dizzy, kind of crazy, my head just felt weird for a day, that was the worst of it. And so I don't know if I actually got any of it or if I was just still getting over bronchitis. And after going to Moab, I was a little exhausted. So... I have been in a two-week medical quarantine in my house, but if you guys have been paying attention, you've probably seen all of the YouTube content that I've been able to do because I am stuck in the house and been working on the Milky Way course. So those of you looking for the Milky Way course, you know it's coming out February 2nd. It's going to go live, and I appreciate all your patience because I needed an entire other month in order to get it done. <sighs> I won't think about that for a moment. So you guys are enjoying the content hopefully on YouTube and probably missing the next podcast and wondering, I know you sent that one about your workshop, but where's the next workshop? Where's the next episode? Episode 67. That episode is with Andrew Marr. He is an awesome photographer out of Australia. You probably already follow him on YouTube because 19,000 of you do. That is 15,000 more people then we have following us, which is greater than saying 16,000 because we went from 3,000 to 4,000 on our YouTube channel. Thank you guys, all of you out there who have actually subscribed to us. Appreciate the numbers. We break past 10,000. We'll start actually getting some money from doing YouTube and getting some uh, sponsors or something. That'll be a fantastic break in this. I don't have a job, but doing YouTube all the time life that I have, which I love. I'm really loving it, but my wife, she keeps thinking about the money for some reason. So anyway, this is about astrophotography. Let's go right back. So that was behind the scenes. That's what's going on. That's why that podcast isn't out yet. And I'm doing this one quickly tonight because I'm going out. Because you know what, baby? The Milky Way is back. And I probably yelled right in your ears. The Milky Way is back. <sighs> some of you guys have already noticed it's been back for a few days. It just depends on your latitude on how many minutes. I think it was Brian Miller who just posted that yesterday or the day before, the 24th, I think, he actually had the very first minute of the Milky Way core going above the horizon at his latitude. I've had it since last week, but we've had clouds and snow and it's made it impossible. But tonight is my last chance before another storm comes through to go out to, well, the salt flats. And we're going to talk about that in this podcast. So the Milky Way is back. It's January. In this podcast, we're going to talk about how the Milky Way goes throughout the whole year and why it's so low and I need to go to the salt flats. And talk about the MilkyWayPhotographers.com that's coming out for patrons. So oh, a lot of you patrons already know about it, but it's sort of a fun little goofy club. And so if you want to be a part of the Mickey Mouse Club for astrophotographers, then join us. Woo, I'm sure that just sold it pretty well. But anyway, let's talk about the Milky Way. So... For those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm going to go through this pretty quick because you have already, you're already well aware of it. But the Milky Way is actually worldwide visible from January to November. And nowhere in the world, I don't think Antarctica, but maybe Antarctica, can you actually see the galactic core in December. It's crazy because the galactic core, when it rises above the horizon in all of December, whether you're in the Southern Hemisphere or the North, it happens at the daytime. And so you're dealing with 
the sun always in the way of the Milky Way core all throughout December. And then the timing gets off of that weird kind of matchup. Kind of picture Mars and Earth and its orbit and how they call them planetos, wanderers, how the planets were going through the sky. And they see that this star is moving and moving and moving and moving. And then it kind of slows down, speeds up, goes backwards, and then goes forward again just because of the distance and how the orbits work and come together and then go away kind of like a car passing another car. If you've done your astronomy recently or paid attention in astronomy class at university, you probably know what I'm talking about. And so the Milky Way isn't quite like an orbit, but the way that the Earth goes around the sun around the time of December, it just times out that when it's rotating and showing the Milky Way core to a face of the Earth, it's almost always exclusively showing it during daylight hours when you can't see the Milky Way. So here's a quick feat, here's a quick lesson on what the Milky Way does in both hemispheres. And this is going to give you guys a preview of our Milky Way ebook because this is information that I'm reading right from it. This is pretty cool, just really quick showing you where it's going to be, like the Milky Way core, where it's going to be, where it travels to. Is it high, low, whatever? Is it, is it good for panorama or is it something that's good for a 45 degree angle capture? And then where the galactic core goes during the entire time. So in quick succession, Northern Hemisphere first. January, it's a very low Milky Way core along the horizon. It's over in the east and it's a galactic core that rises through the night and is visible for about an hour until the daytime light comes in from the twilight periods. February, it's east to southeast, low along the horizon. Galactic core rises during the night, but it's visible for a couple actual hours. So we've got a few hours there in February, depending on where you're at in the northern hemisphere. March, east to southeast, panorama time is panorama and 45 degree angle time for the Milky Way because it's high enough and it's really good for an arching panorama. Sometimes when it's low in February and January, it kind of just takes off in the sky like it's ramping off the edge, you know, off the edge of the earth over there on the north. But when it gets to March, it has sort of a angled, angular turn and curve down to the horizon. So you get more of that arch that goes up and comes down instead of just kind of going up and disappearing in the sky like it does in January and February. So March is your first panorama time. And later in the hours of it's being up, you can see it at a 45 degree angle. It's there for several, you know, a few early morning hours. So you're talking, I'm going to go out early morning, not at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. April, it's going to be in the southeast to south and start heading more south now. It's a panorama and a high angle Milky Way, which means it really tips up by the end of the evening. It's visible for several hours. May, southeast to south, panorama, almost vertical. It's visible all night long. That's the first month in May where it gets dark after twilight periods and it becomes full darkness. Milky Way's there, and it's there all the way until the twilight period of the morning blocks it out. June is the same situation, but it still has some panorama options, and it's the last month of really good panorama. It gets too high in the sky. It becomes very vertical at the end of the night. July, it's in the south to southwest now. It's starting to really be more to the southwest, and June leaks, you know, June leans over there by the end of the night. It's really 45 degree angle from the moment you can see it in July, and then it gets really vertical. So you can't do a pano unless you do a very high, large, giant, very fisheye panorama in July in the northern hemisphere. Galactic core is visible all night long still and will not be all night long in August. That's when it starts to actually set on us. And so the galactic core comes up in the south, the southwest. It's already at a high angle and gets very vertical quickly. 
And it actually starts putting the Milky Way core, the core of the galaxy, down below the horizon in most areas in August. And before it even gets light, it does that. September, last few months to see it. And it's only a couple, it's got several hours though in September, so you can still enjoy several hours. I think three to four, depending on your area. It's almost entirely vertical the whole time, and it will set. October, southwest, completely southwest. You're looking now a completely different direction than you've looked all year except at the very end of August and September. And so you're looking at vertical Milky Way, galactic core will set, and you've got barely an hour or so of visibility. November, southwest still, you have minutes of visibility depending on your northern latitude. (sighs) So, in short, January, February, very vertic- very horizontal, low on the horizon. March, low on the horizon, but starting to be panorama time, and it works really well. April, really great for panorama. May, really great for panorama, and actually alive or visible all night long in May. June, July, August. So May through August are the best months to go. Now, best, let's just say May, June, July. Those three months are the best because it's all night long. August, September starts weaking. It starts getting weak and falling down. So that is, you guys know it, Milky Way in the north this time of year. Now, here's the interesting one. <sighs> I, I haven't seen this with my own eyes. So I'm doing it just from the information I caught on from photo pills and going through every month and watching it on the new moon going, holy crap, okay, the core goes here all the way that high in the sky and then goes all the way down over there, it rises and sets like a moon. Just like in the Northern Hemisphere, December, there's no action whatsoever. But then January, it shows up in the east. It's completely vertical right away. It actually is all the way up and ready to go. It's just the core rises up in a vertical position. And so you'll see it visible in the early morning for a few out for an hour for a few days in January. When we see it when we see it in January in the Northern Hemisphere, Low on the horizon, almost parallel with the horizon. Southern Hemisphere, it's totally vertical. It's totally vertical. It's crazy. February, it's southeast to east. So it starts off in the southeast and moves its way up to more east. That's where the Milky Way core goes and visible now for several hours in the morning. Very vertical, very high angle. March, it is running out of air. Southeast to northeast. So it actually goes from all the way southeast to all the way northeast and moves its way practically to the north as the Milky Way core goes higher and higher and higher into the sky. You have many hours to see it. April, southeast, all the way to northwest. So that means it rises, goes up, and goes into the sky. And it doesn't set. It's just over at that part in the north to the west area when the light comes up in the twilight periods and blocks it. May, southeast to north to west. So it starts off in all the way in the southeast, rises, goes north. You'll see it straight above your head and then down in the west. And so it literally rises and sets like a moon, visible all night long. And the crazy thing about June is that's their winter. Their winter. We're talking 10 to 13 hours of darkness. And they have the Milky Way up the whole time. Can you imagine being out there May, June, July in the Southern Hemisphere? No wonder why Mark G is awesome. Because he has all night long to be awesome. Now, okay, he doesn't need any shortcuts. He's freaking awesome. But I'm so jealous of that. Now, one thing to not be jealous of this May, June, July Milky Way in the Southern Hemisphere is that try and do a 
try and do a time lapse of that. You can't just follow it from right to left, you know, left to right like we do. You have to actually get it, tilt it straight up and follow it all the way down to set. That's a complicated time lapse. And so if you guys have seen some really awesome Mark G time lapses where they go high in the sky, give him some props because that's a lot of work to make sure that your camera is facing that direction the whole time and following and tracking with that Milky Way core because it does some amazing movement straight up like a moon going high in the sky and setting. Awesome stuff, Mark. So then throughout the summer months or our summer months and their winter months, they have an all night long Milky Way that is all the way on the all the way on the horizon, rises completely vertical and then goes and sets at a very high angle. But August and September gets interesting because you start being able to do a horizontal panorama and you even can do it in July. Oh, no, I actually go back. You get to be a 45 degree angle in May vertical panorama in June at a 45 degree angle, but then you could also get vertical to a horizontal panorama in July. So June, July, it starts getting lower and lower in the morning. So it starts off at a high angle and then goes to vertical and then goes to a panorama angle. That's really awesome. So if you're in the Southern hemisphere, you're actually waiting till closer towards the morning to get your panorama shot. It's not like here in the Northern hemisphere where we catch it right away and it moves out of position. It's actually moving in to position for panorama. Man, I'm losing a lot of breath in this and I'm not going to edit it too much. You're going to hear me gasping because I'm so excited and talking as fast as I possibly can. So this isn't too boring because I'm basically just listing facts. And that is not a fun podcast. That's not a story podcast. August now. (laughs) Where am I? I'm in August. August now, vertical to horizontal panorama. So it starts off completely vertical. doesn't even have a high angle. It starts off vertical and then goes panorama. And it's visible most hours of the night because it actually sets in the southwest. And so it's in the northeast and then sets in the southwest. So it travels through that part of the sky. That's an easier panorama to follow as it's vertical then tilting down into frame. And that'll actually set on the horizon. So really, August gets interesting for a panorama time lapse because you go and you follow it all the way down below the horizon. Same thing in September. October, it has a 45-degree angle right from the start. It's never high anymore. It's the first time in the year that the Milky Way doesn't go vertical, you know, completely high in the sky or vertical. It starts out at the 45-degree angle. It's a horizontal panorama. Now, you should see it in, in photo pills. The core, you know, that part that we all just crave to see is in the center of this princess tiara and it's almost horizontal to the ground it's crazy it's got to be amazing and you can see all of that right there light pollution clouds they're definitely more of a problem at this time but man to capture that that's got to look really cool i bet it's a lot of shots that i have seen that i've loved that have that shot right there in september it's starting to go into the spring and getting a little warmer and so there's less hours of the night and it's visible most of them as it sets in the southwest october you still have several hours. If you were watching my astral primers, you were seeing how we had one, two hours. And then the Southern Hemisphere, man, they had 10, 12, 7. Well, no, I think it was like 7, 6, 7 hours of Milky Way visible. And we were so jealous of uh, you know Australia and New Zealand. I'm really running out of breath. I got to get some more breath real quick. Caught some breath, and now I'm coming back with some more power. Ending the year, October and November, they have a 45-degree angle to horizontal, and then November's all horizontal, and that galactic core will set. So you got a couple hours left in November to see it. It's always horizontal. Get that panorama shot, and it sets. So when I say the Milky Way is back, I'm talking about the Milky Way core 
core. That Milky Way core is fantastic. Really interesting how it does this. And this you know, season of December for all of us worldwide, except for I'm thinking and guessing, of course, Antarctica. You've got to be able to see it. Got to be. I haven't checked it, but that's just got to be the truth. So we miss it. We miss it for 30 days, and you would think that we wouldn't miss it that much. But, man, everyone on Facebook is saying how much. Like, oh, the Milky Way's back. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. And so I'm going tonight to capture it. I've taught it in a live webinar, and I actually taught it in a shorter video that went directly to the point of geodetic info and getting that pin-to-pin working on photo pills. So if you want to check out the YouTube channel, you can see that where I've taught how to actually see. Okay, this is a very low Milky Way core. It's it's from rising to about 1 degree high in the sky, 1.7 degree high in the sky. If I look at my Milky Way core in the salt flats, it is going to rise this morning or tomorrow morning, Saturday morning at 5.44 a.m., and it's going to be visible finally now. That point that they've decided on, the center of the galactic core, that's what's visible. Not the whole core, just it's finally above the horizon. It gets as high as four degrees high, and that's 615. Like I taught in the pin-to-pin geodetic info, if you hold your fist out at arm's length and look at the horizon, your whole fist, bottom to top of your fingers, is 10 degrees. Okay, so now you look at that and go, holy crud, that's half my hand, I mean half my fist? That's very, very low on the horizon that's visible for four degrees. So how are you going to see it? How are you going to go out and find it? And you have to go and look at the at the mountains, the amazing mountains, and go, hmm, okay, I got to get away from them. I got to make them as small, like the smallest visual degree I possibly can so that Milky Way will not be blocked by him. So how do I do that? Here in Utah, I drive out of the valley and go right out to the salt flats where I have miles and miles and miles of distance between me and those mountains, and they get very, very small. And so I'm going to enjoy that tomorrow morning. And probably before you even see this podcast, you're going to see that picture. Man, I am really excited, completely out of breath, listing everything. Let's go ahead and take a quick break so I can catch my breath, and we'll come right back to the Astro Photog Podcast. Welcome back to the Astro Photog Podcast. I'm recording from my desk. I hope all this audio isn't echoing too much. I'm here at my desk because I'm looking at our ebook while I do this. Tomorrow morning... I'm going to be out there, and I have to wait till 5.44 a.m., so I'm going to be sleeping and recording some videos, some for the YouTube channel, some for the Milky Way course, and just, I can't wait. It'll be the first time that my eyes, this year, 2018, has seen the Milky Way core. Oh, it's worth it. It's so worth it. I mean, you guys, some of you had joked on YouTube that now I've made it something that you guys miss a lot of sleep because you've found out how awesome this can be. Somehow, magically, I got to be the first one to tell you that it was so awesome that you guys are going out and doing it. So I'm so stoked. I hope all of you are taking a chance. So check out your PhotoPills app and see what time you're going to have to be out there and go and enjoy it. So when you look at your PhotoPills app, make sure you double check when the moon is going to set so that it's setting before your Milky Way core is rising because that is going to block everything, obviously. It's a waxing gibbous. It's going to be huge. And so at 5.44 a.m., that Milky Way core is going to rise, and I have until 6.15 a.m., so I actually have a full half an hour, which is why it's all the way as high as 4 degrees, because it's had half an hour to start moving through there. And so this is going to be great. Sunrise is at 7.50 a.m. I can capture the sunrise from the salt flats. Looking at the clouds, it's going to be cloudy around 5 a.m. and 6 a.m., so I'm hoping it's not between me and the Milky Way. I'm hoping it's behind me since the information I'm getting is from Wendover and the Knolls. 
I'm optimistic that it's in the other parts of the sky and that I can see southeast and see that Milky Way core. So we'll see how it goes. It's totally worth it because I have a few days of snow. Okay, I got to sneak in here and check in and tell you guys how it went last night. So I recorded the podcast and I took off with the salt flats. <sighs> Man. Everything that I've been teaching this week about clouds and how to work with them and knowing that, you know, you got to watch cleardarksky.com and clearoutside.com. There's a place in this world that keeps haunting me called the salt flats and knolls. There'll be a prediction that is going to be no clouds until X hour, and it's almost always late. That prediction's late, and the clouds will come in, and it wasn't any different last night. So let me tell you, I drove down there, and on my way there, I thought, I'm going to go to a movie. I've got this movie pass now that I pay 10 bucks a month so I can go to any movie I want. So anyway, I went to a movie on my way down to Salt Flats. And on my way down, I could see that their clouds were kind of thin on the horizon over there by Wendover. And I was hoping, okay, maybe it's blocking the moon a little bit, but over this direction towards the Milky Way, I'm okay. I'm looking okay. I'm looking okay. I arrive at the Salt Flats. Those of you who know it, you're on the freeway. You go and take the exit, and you basically do a big U. You turn right, turn right, and you're a parallel road with the freeway again, heading a mile and a half down to where you can park at the end of the road that enters into the salt flats. And there was one other person there. And one other person was out there thinking the same thing I was, and they were trying and waiting for the Milky Way, but they were two hours early. The Milky Way was not coming for another two hours. And so I thought... I'm going to hang out here, record a little video for the Milky Way course and get some sleep and keep checking the clouds. And every time I wake up, I'd see the clouds were thicker and thicker and thicker. So an hour before the Milky Way was going to rise, I thought, I am going to go down to the knolls and try that spot instead of staying here at the salt flats. So I drove the half an hour, 40 minutes to the knolls and the clouds are so thick. I was so tired. It's 4.45 in the morning when I left, so probably on 5.15 I got to the knolls. I was exhausted. The clouds were thick. I was done. So I pulled off on the side of the exit, turned off the car, and slept in the driver's seat of a Hyundai Elantra. It was so uncomfortable. And then when I couldn't take it anymore, I woke up and decided to drive as far as I could, and I barely made it two exits. I made it two more exits, and I was, oh, I'm too drowsy, too drowsy. Go back to sleep. Pulled off in a rest stop. Enjoyed two hours, maybe an hour and a half of hanging out there, and the sun had long risen. At one point, I woke up, and I saw that this it was all light, and there was nothing. I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep. And then about 10 minutes later, 15 or so, I woke up and saw a little bit of orange banding over these mountains that I could not have gotten around to see. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. They kind of had a sunrise. Oh, I'm back to sleep. Went back to sleep and then drove the rest of the way home. And we're talking from 7 o'clock on... I had made it home, I don't know, 8 o'clock, something like that. And it was disappointing. I got skunked by the clouds. Even though I'm telling you a story of how I drove two hours to an area that was predicted to at least have clear skies until 5 a.m., still go out there, still go do it. I couldn't get my January Milky Way core. I got my January Milky Way when we were down in Moab, but I haven't gotten the core, and I thought I could, but cloud cover, ugh. And then the few days left, tomorrow morning and Monday morning for 15 minutes, the Milky Way is visible without the moon. And so tomorrow morning, Sunday, full clouds. So I might go somewhere south tonight. 
We'll see. I'm so exhausted. I probably shouldn't. But then Monday morning, I'll have 15 minutes between this moon setting and seeing the Milky Way. And it's my last possible chance because every night the rest of the month, the moon will set after the Milky Way has begun to be less visible. And so maybe I'll just enjoy that lunar eclipse, that blood moon, and have that be my big old highlight of the month, you know, if I can't already count Moab. So awesome trip. Fantastic. Wait, no. Oh, terrible trip. Horrible way to sleep. I got nothing out of it except for three-fourths of a Milky Way course video recorded and another dude was there and I couldn't record some of it because I would have been annoying to him. And so, yeah, I got no sleep for nothing. And then I woke up today at 3 o'clock. So I went to bed when I got home and slept almost eight hours. Woke up at 2.30 like I was a high school senior. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway... Um, go anyway when you get a chance, but sometimes you're gonna get skunked just like I did. But now let's talk about the next best celestial event that's coming up and it's coming up fast, which is why I wanted to do this podcast today. Not just because I couldn't get Andrew Mars podcast out yet, but because I want to tell you guys that if you don't already know it, there is a blood moon coming and the blood moon is just meaning there's a total lunar eclipse that causes the moon to go all red. It's interesting at this time of year to have it because it won't happen in the early hours of the night. It's going to happen in the early hours of the morning. And so you've got to wake up early like 2, 3 a.m., wherever you want to get to to see this and capture it with your camera. So check your area as to what time it's going to show up for you. It obviously depends on living in the Western Hemisphere. You're going to want to be on our side, the United States side. So if you're in Europe, I don't even think, let's see, what's it say on here? This is Sky and Telescope, and I don't think it includes Europe on the map. I don't think that you will see anything because it's daytime when it occurs, and the Europe side will not capture anything. So I'm sorry about you guys over there in South Africa, Europe, Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, you know, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, you're not capturing this. So those of us over here in the northern northern United States, we get a blood moon on January 31st. That is a full moon. The full moon's coming and it's matching up with the sun and it all of a sudden goes between the, I guess you know, it's matching up on the opposite side of the earth and the sun. And so the earth gets in the way of the light hitting that moon. And all you see is the light reflecting off of the earth on the moon plus, um, what is it? It's just the shadow, the shadow cast, that umbra and penumbra. So when you know about the umbra and penumbra, as the moon enters the eclipse and starts getting eclipsed a bit, that's the penumbra. And then it goes until it's completely in the umbra where it's fully covered and spends some time completely eclipsed then it works its way out of the penumbra. And that's important to know because depending on where you live in the United States, you are probably not going to see it other than during umbra or penumbra. So if you're out there, we're talking Nova Scotia, Canada, and Cuba areas down there in Southern Hemisphere, um, probably down there by Bolivia, Ecuador, stuff like that. You are going to see only the penumbra because the moon is going to set below the horizon before you can see more of it. And then it just keeps going more western. So if you're in Florida, New York, over on the eastern coast, you're going to see the moon set while it's entering umbra. And so you start to see a full moon, full moon, full eclipse, and it sets during it just as it starts. But then the actual moment of eclipse, all of you in the Midwest, sorry, Rusty, all of you from the Michigan lakes over to, oh man, that looks like it's 
looks like it's North Dakota, South Dakota, all of Texas, you're experiencing the full eclipse and the moon sets during it. And so it's going to be right on the horizon. Now, what's cool about that is it's on your horizon. That's when it's the biggest, the biggest. And it's not only that, but, you know, as Kirk was teasing, the super moon is not so super. Only thing that's super about it is that it's merely closer and, you know, past a certain distance of perigee, it's called a supermoon. It's almost at full perigee. And any, you know, full moon or new moon that happens at perigee, they call a supermoon. That's what they call it. It's just it's the biggest it is, but it's tiny. The moon's still tiny. It's just a little bit bigger technically. But your eyes visually, you can't see it all that much. But it is a sight to behold. The full moon is already awesome. And when you do see it at a, as a super moon, it's really, really cool. So you're going to see that eclipse happening right there on the horizon when it's amplified by that atmosphere. And so you're going to have some interesting shots over there. So don't be disappointed that the moon sets during your you know total eclipse because you're going to see it as big as it possibly can right next to buildings and statues and landmarks. And that could be pretty, pretty awesome. Use your PhotoPills app and plan it because you're going to have a great situation. Now, those of us in Utah, those of us in Arizona, New Mexico, and looks like Colorado, Kansas, yeah, I'd say part of Kansas right there, we're all going to appreciate and enjoy the moon setting while it's leaving the Umbra. So we're going to see all of the eclipse and start getting into Umbra, and it's leaving Umbra, and it sets. And so we're not going to see it completely leave. You're not going to get that shot where you see crescent moonlight and then the full moon blood moon and then the crescent moonlight going to bright light bulb you're not going to see that you're just going to see the beginning of it to full eclipse and then start to leave that full eclipse when it sets on us and then if you're in california oregon washington it's going to be in penumbra so you're going to have a little bit of a crescent or a half moon when you wherever you are you're going to see that as it sets below the horizon and if you're lucky enough to be in Alaska or out in the middle of the ocean or Hawaii, I believe this curved line will go over Hawaii. I bet. I have to double check that. But you're going to see the entire eclipse from beginning to end. Check out an article. I'm going to link you to it. It's from EarthSky and Space.com. And I'll also include this link, this link that came from Kirk from Sky and Telescope so that you guys can read about it. Just know that the 31st is next week. You got to get ready. I believe that is just next Wednesday. Let me double check the calendar. It is is next Wednesday. Actually, that's October 2018 for some reason. Oh, I was doing the workshops. And it happens to also be Wednesday. Good. So the 31st is Wednesday. Pay attention to that. That full moon is going to have a lunar eclipse in the early morning hours. So do not sleep. Get ready for work early and get out there. I've been really excited in this podcast and I've been sitting from my desk and working with the kind of a squeaky chair and I've been running out of breath because I've been so excited and talking about this and because I'm leaving right now to take off to go up to Salt Flats. And so my mind's distracted. I'm excited and distracted. And hopefully this podcast has been something worth listening to. Just know that the Milky Way is back and that in one week, oh, I'm sorry, today's Saturday when you're listening to this, Saturday the 27th. So uh, you have four days, four full days if you don't count Saturday before that. Oh, I'd say four full days because that's the early morning. You have four days to get ready for the lunar eclipse, the first blood moon in a while. It's been a couple years since a blood moon, so this is going to be awesome. Lastly, I'm talking about this ebook that Brennan and I are doing. We haven't really announced it. We've only mentioned it in some places, and some people know about it, and some people don't. We are working on a Milky Way ebook, and it's going to sell for $14.99, a $15 book. We want to give you guys a discount 
$15 is what the book is going to be worth. It's going to be a lot of writing. We're still finishing it up. We got a lot of good pictures in here. We're really excited about it. But in order to give you guys a discount, we could do a pre-order. It's not going to be finished until February. We have to wait until I'm done with my Milky Way course so then I can write this in here. But it's going to be a fantastic companion to our Milky Way course because it talks about mostly the same stuff. And the Milky Way course was outlined a certain way that Brendan liked. He's like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just do our ebook the same way in that outline. So we talk about everything you need to know about Milky Way photography and all the stuff for beginners to get going. Not talking too much stacking, not talking too much star tracking in this. We'll have other books for that. But the beginner Milky Way photographers, all of us who are just getting going, all this information is out there and been updated with what we know about low-level lighting and stuff like that. And this book is going to be $15. So let's just sell it for a pre-order for $9.99. There won't be a link or will there be? I'm right now, I'm going to be gone all night. I bet I can get a pre-order link up before I load this. So I'll load this tomorrow during the day, Saturday, and put a pre-order up where you can get it for just 10 bucks. And then if you wanted to wait because you think, oh, I'll just get some good luck with some contests, we'll be giving this away you know, throughout the year. Probably like four or five times we'll give it away on contests within the group. And so you can check out our Milky Way ebook or check out my Milky Way photography workshop, or not workshop, my Milky Way photography um, online course. It is going to be available February 2nd, and right now it's on sale for $69, $67. It's going to be 97 because honestly, it's going to be 15 hours of information. I'm going to go into some things pretty heavy so that people have that information available to them. And you can always forward skip and get rid of some information like, okay, I've heard this, heard this, know it, know it, know it. And you'll have at least the seven hours of actual walkthroughs of my pictures that I've taken during this course of the places I've gone on this course and then showing you how I process those images from beginning to end. And so they're going to be 30 minutes to 45 minutes to an hour long of everything that I do from just the beginning steps to get my white balance right to I'm going to do some noise reduction on this that Brendan's taught me recently. And so this stuff is on the Milky Way course. So you guys might want to check it out. And it's going to be worth $97 on February 2nd. But I want to give you guys who follow us a discount at 67 unless... You were paying attention to the podcast earlier and you know my secret word and you message me. Unless you do that, it will be $67. The thing I just hinted at is a $47 cost. So because we love you guys on the podcast, it's totally worth it to give you guys a $50 discount. So if you can go back and find that and give me the code word, you can get it for cheaper. But thank you guys for supporting us. Another way that we think you guys will have fun supporting us is through Patreon. And we invented a way, once we got our stickers back from, uh, what was it, Sticker Mule, we did it. It was really easy. And I just, I like the feeling of them, the high quality of them. And so, you know what's fun? Celebrating the Milky Way. Celebrating people who care about light pollution. Celebrating that all of us are growing as Milky Way photographers and having ranks. And so... I'll tell you guys in another podcast specifically all about it. But MilkyWayPhotographers.com, it's just a picture right now, is going to be a website for people to upload their information, upload their picture and say, hey, I got a January Milky Way, check it out. And then I will look at it and go, you did, that's fantastic. It could be of the weaker spirals. It could be of the core. It's just your call. December, you have no choice. It's only going to be of the weaker, thinner part of the spiral. 
but yeah, you'd have, you have no option there. So we have things like achievements for getting a Milky Way every month of the spring, every month of the winter, every month of the summer. And then those things add up and these achievements add up where you actually get ranked as a Milky Way photographer who's an amateur to a novice, to an advanced, I think. Oh, I can't remember the terms that I was using, but we're creating these stickers and badges actual rank badges that you can put on your camera bag and represent the Milky Way is going to show your um, rank as a Milky Way photographer. And then you've got these pins, these square one inch, one and a half inch rectangle square pins that are going to be some of the big badges that you earn for certain achievements. And then like your every month Milky Way is going to be a sticker. So right now, if you're thinking, ah, I want to do this, this would be awesome. Don't miss out on your January. Get it right now. Get your January 2018 Milky Way. We've been telling our patrons already. Hopefully you're going out. And if you haven't and you hear this tomorrow or Saturday, you should go. Get out there. Capture whatever side you can capture. You don't have to worry. Just make sure the Milky Way is in the shot. And now you've done it. You have honored, appreciated that awesome Milky Way that's in the sky. And just, you know, encouraging people to get out there. We always say get out there and have a photog adventure of your own. And this is kind of a fun way to get stickers and badges and recognition for having done it. And a way to check off a list that kind of lets you do a bunch of things that along the way, you're going to become a better Milky Way photographer until the point where you can call yourself a master Milky Way photographer. I think that was the ultimate rank. I will do another podcast that talks about that specifically once I have that website up in February. So enjoy getting out there. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys later.